Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. And welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. Being off is awesome. My God, being off is awesome. I love working, but I love being off. Um, I bought a saw. I'm sawing some shelves, some hanging shelves. I'm hanging art. I'm scraping grout off the wall that my contractor left a year ago. I've been staring at and finally have the time to do it. Ugh, it's so awesome. Spending a lot of time with my boys. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of mommy time. It's awesome. <laughs> um, no, I do love it. I really do. Music class and swimming and it's amazing. It's amazing how much they're talking at three and um, you try not to let them watch TV. Like tell them that the only thing that works right now is Little Einsteins or Daniel Tiger. Um <laughs> I lie to them basically, but sometimes they watch that YouTube and there's some freaky shit on there for kids. It's weird. But uh, you could also throw on like, I just had on um, this ring next door when they woke up from nap and then they just sit and watch it. They're just enthralled with anything on TV. It's it's really crazy. I'm assuming that's how I was. I just watched anything and everything and that's the dork that I am now. But yeah. Um, I am watching a lot of TV. I'm checking shit out. Let's just say. So what's one up watching? I started the dropout. I did those first three episodes. Uh, I couldn't find the designer's name, but, um, decorated by Kimberly Leonard and Regina O'Brien, a lot of lab stuff and this apartment of one of the main characters that I feel like you can't see. It looked really cool. It's really dark and there's some golds in there and, uh, it's very well done. Um, I, the, the story of Elizabeth Holmes, who sort of lied to get this medical device uh, made, and she's like 19 years old. It's interesting, and I, I think there was a Netflix documentary about her before, and just an interesting story. I think what's most interesting is, I'm forgetting the actress's name, but you see her sort of transform herself. Even the the real person has this very awkward voice and she, you see how she develops that. So I'm in on the dropout. That's on Hulu. We started Marvelous Miss Maisel. Set design, our uh, production designer, Bill Groom. And um, I don't know, 
I think it's Ellen Christensen is still decorating season five, but, um, God, I like the show and it is beautiful. It really is. The sets, the costumes, the hair, the makeup, it's gorgeous. But that dialogue of ba ba da 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 like I just I really I mean sometimes I need a gummy to watch that because there's just that K I don't know ba da ba da ba da and the joke and then but I don't know so well I'm not like stoked to like get through that season which they're only giving me an episode a week anyway like my child um. But yeah, it is gorgeous and a hell of a lot of work. So bravo to them. I started the series for All Mankind. Um, production design, Dan Bishop and decorator, Diana Ferris, 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 Ferris. Um, that's a lot. That's a big show. I don't know how you do that. Um, the moon and spaceships and uh, I love that um, Joel Kinnaman. Kinnaman? Oh, God, he's hot. Um, but it's okay. I'm like four episodes in. I just thought I'd check it out. You know, you know what I mean? Um, still week by week with this Pam and Tommy by production designer Ethan Tobin, who I hope you caught his episode last week and set decorator, uh, decorator Naya Petraeus. That's a lot of work to do those nineties. I know rough show. So kind of the story's kind of stalling out in a sense and so I, I, I can see why it's only like eight episodes I started Joe versus Carol production designer Markle Rumpf and set decorator Jamie Cranny um I got about 20 minutes into it and I thought I really don't want to give Tiger King any more of my time but uh the look of it is you know dated Florida and these tiger cages, and it seems like they CGI'd a lot of the animals. I think that's a good thing. But the look of it's, you know, that dated sort of <laughs> vernacular, pedestrian um, vernacular, which they nailed. So it looks, you know, the look of it is good. Um, I also started, you, you think I'm crazy. I also started Bel Air which is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but now it's a drama, which I was very cautious of because I've watched every episode of Bel-Air. I mean, uh, Fresh Prince. Hello, from Philly. And um, the thing about the pilot is what I thought was clever is they take the rap song, you know, I'm born you know, West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground was where to spend. You know, I know it. So um, they take some of those phrases and work them into the pilot dialogue which I thought was really clever for us people who watched it and loved it so uh the sets are huge and just I, I mean I know they shot in LA they shot it at Universal actually while while I was just on Rutherford Falls and um big sets there so yeah it's grand and Bel Air and you just feel rich and you're looking at the city and these huge mansions and he's going to parties and um the sets are good they're really you could tell they put some coin into them uh production designer Corey Kaplan and again I could not find a decorator name but bravo there last night I watched Lucy and Desi documentary directed by Amy Poehler 
I love Amy. I do. I just, I don't, and even like with like being the Ricardos, I don't get, I respect Lucille Ball. I really do. I really think she was a phenomenal businesswoman and, and, and get it, but I don't get why we're so fascinated with her now. I could see being fascinated with her in the 80s or maybe 90s or I, I don't know. I, I do respect her and I know like that the production company Desilu that they had produced so many shows that, you know, um, The Untouchables and Star Trek and, um, but I don't, I don't see, it just feels like such a stretch in trying to get people to appreciate Lucy right now or remember her and I don't get it. I really, I'm sorry. I don't get it. I mean, being the Ricardos, it was beautifully done. Production designer John Huntman and set decorator Ellen Brill is superb. And it's, it's like a film you could reference, um, you know, for the, for the time period. It's, it's gorgeous. It's not that it's the story. Like, I just am not into it. That's just me. So yeah put a couple hours into the tube this week. <laughs> it was nice. I'm not going to lie. It was relaxing. Well, I'm busting my ass all day working, um, you know, when I can, when I have five minutes, if they nap or like, as they like to say, no nap, mommy day, no nap. Yeah. So on this week's episode, I have another Oscar nominated set decorator and, um, Two weeks ago, I had Amber Richards of Power of the Dog, so I hope you're checking that interview out too. But um, funny enough, in this interview, Shane and I sort of talk about how, God, we're so lucky that they even show the Production Design Awards at this point because of the lower viewership of the Oscars and the relevancy of, of award shows and such. And then, like, two days later, they announced that they will not be showing the creative Oscars online, on, online, uh, live. And I'd have to say, and I've said many times, I have only missed maybe one Oscar in my memory of watching the Oscars since maybe I was six or seven years old. And it's so sad to me that they are taking that away because it did inspire me. It did inspire me to try to figure out what a production designer is or editing. Like, you know, even when they show that sound editing clips and you start to hear things about a film, you're watching the Oscars because you are a film fan and because you love it. And maybe it's not as relevant as it used to be, but for people who it is relevant for, now not to be able to be exposed even to those little 10-second tidbits of people's work, I think it's a real shame, and I think the Academy really should be ashamed of themselves. I do. I really do. I think whoever voted for that, you are just bowing down to peer pressure and not your true fans or your 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 true community. I just think it's really sad um, because it did inspire me and it still inspires me to look, I mean, last year, Jan Pascal won. <laughs> like, how 
phenomenal is that? Like I am in awe of her and I know that woman and I can text her and I, I appreciate her work so much. And to be even from seven years old to, you know, 40 something, um, I, you know, am in awe of people in this industry. And I just think it's a real shame that they did that. But nevertheless, I do have um, an Oscar-nominated decorator here to talk about um, his wonderful work, too. So speaking of awards, the ADG Awards were held this past Saturday night, and we had some of the winners on this podcast the last couple of weeks, so bravo! Congratulations to production designer Steve Olson, art director Raph Linden, and set decorator Jerry Kelter. They won for Variety Special for Live in Front of a Studio Audience, The Facts of Life in Different Strokes. And last week's interview, production designer Ethan Taubman took home an ADG award for his short format music video for All Too Well. Um, and uh, in the feature category, you'll be listening to this episode, obviously, Nightmare Alley won for period feature film. Uh, production designer Tamar Deverell. Ugh, butchered that, sorry. But I'm so happy to all the winners, and I'm so happy that, you know, I was able to speak to them about their award-winning designs and that you're able to listen to that. So, yeah. Congratulations to everyone who picked up an ADG award this weekend. On this episode, I speak with Oscar-winning set decorator Shane View. Shane's work has a dynamic effect on screen, which you can currently see in his Oscar-nominated work on Nightmare Alley. He has decorated huge films like The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Crimson Peak, Suicide Squad, The Shape of Water, which he won an Oscar for production design, It, Chapter 2. Shane also decorated... 2015's Best Picture Spotlight, and that little independent film, Juno. I mean, I, I pull some Juno facts out of him, so listen for that. Also, um, I had put in the email announcement for this episode. The Hollywood Reporter did a wonderful article about the creative making of the film Nightmare Alley. Interviews with the designer and costumes and light, and it's really well done, the interview, even showing floor plans, so... Um, I hope you click that link at least. If you're not getting the emails, you know, you got to subscribe. I don't know what to tell you. You got to subscribe. I give you a heads up of what's, what the podcast weeks, um, I don't, I don't overbear people with emails. God knows. I just had to buy storage on Gmail for email. I'm super pissed. But subscribe and then you get like one email when I (laughs) send out a podcast. It's not bad. I swear. So I hope you enjoy. It a lot for everyone, isn't isn't it? TV's a hard beast for sure. Yeah. It's much harder than the features for sure. I don't think uh, people get that, like producers and such. They don't get that a lot of times because I I know I've been told 
well, we can't really, we can't hire her for this because she doesn't have any feature experience. And it's like, are you kidding me? I d I've done one hour, half hours harder than one hour, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You, you kind of cut your teeth on it. You learn to make decisions and stuff a lot faster, yeah. you know, and you tend to have to be a little bit tighter about a lot of stuff that you do, which I think makes you much better prepared for features than anything else. How did you, uh, how'd you get into decorating? You know, I, uh, I worked at an accounting firm in Vancouver and I really hated what I was doing. And, uh, someone recommended I go do a commercial one weekend mm -hmm. and I did it and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And I think I spent two years on the back of a truck, uh, working for various people, uh, as, a, as a dresser, uh, on the back of the truck, I used to sort of do lunches for the crew and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then some decorator crazy guy, uh, offered me a pilot cause he couldn't do it. And I had zero experience and, you know, fuddled through it and really enjoyed it. And through a series of comedic, uh, errors and stuff like that, I sort of was able to keep on working as a decorator after that and spent many years doing television in Vancouver and, you know, started getting little features here and there and you kind of work yourself up. God, that's a, I mean, it, it's a crazy jump to make in one, one move. You know what I mean? A lot of people go like, oh, I was a PA, I was a buyer, I was a dresser, I was this and this and this. I mean, I find it always fascinating how we all sort of got where we are because everyone's story is different. It's crazy to me. It is. And getting up to being a decorator nowadays, it's the path is not as clear as it used to be. No. And you kind of worked yourself up through the ranks and sort of did it a certain way. And that seems to be kind of out the window nowadays. Yeah. And how people sort of come into that path, it, you're right. It's pretty crazy. I also find that people, um, because we're so busy right now, there, there isn't, you're not working your way up as much and you're kind of thrown into it. And I don't, I hope that like some of our etiquette, I would say, doesn't get lost in that. That's what scares me. You know, that's a great point because when I started in business, I, uh, worked for a decorator who was very, very old school. And this was back in early 2000. And when you, when she went to dress a set, basically all the smalls and stuff were laid out on tables. Mm -hmm. All the artwork was laid out a certain way. Everything was unpackaged a certain way. There was a certain way you hung your, hung everything, hung your hardware. And it is not that way anymore. You know, everything is kind of out the window and people, you know, don't know how to do things. Like I went to school, uh, we did this course in Vancouver that the union offered, it was to learn to do setback. So I learned how to pack a box, learned how to tape a box, learned how to lift a box. That's fantastic. You know, everything from the basics all the way up. And now you're right though, the etiquette is not there anymore about basically how you go in and dress sets. Uh, yeah, and I there used to I think there used to be a test, and or I know the art directors used to have a test and everything, but 
I I don't know. I get I guess I am sort of old school and and learned from watching old school and I mean I think too it's timing. We don't get the time we used to get. We don't get the prep we used to get. We don't you know it's it's oh that'll shoot tomorrow. Especially in a great example is Veep. You know, the green room sh- you know, it's Monday morning. The, we're going to shoot the green room on Friday and you're like I can't do the White House green room in five days. They're like, well, how much is it going to cost? And you're like, it doesn't matter. I could give you a million dollar. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then it shoots on Friday. Like somehow you just get it. You do, you sacrifice here and there and you, you, you bake it, you know, but it, it sucks. Yeah, you know, it seems to the creators are getting pushed into these corners nowadays where things just have to happen. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. You know, yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's just you can't you scare know, them. <laughs> you can't scare them with money. No, no, not anymore. No. Yeah. Uh, what are you What are you working on? What are you working on right now? I. I did a year and a half on a Ryan Murphy show <laughs> on impeachment. And then I just finished uh, eight episodes on a half hour comedy called Rutherford Falls. And now I'm not telling anyone that I'm available. <laughs> I'm taking off. But a commercial came up. So I'm taking that for the rest of the week. Today we have off. But um, so I'm taking a commercial this week. But I'm, I'm hoping to have a little time off. I'm burned. I'm, I've never been so burned out. Never. <laughs> do, you, do you do a lot of commercials in LA and you're not uh, working in film and television? I don't. I actually hate doing commercials because I don't know my place, kind of. I, I'm more of a buyer, but um, and that is weird to me. Um, I don't like the pressure of it. I don't like... I don't, I don't know. I don't like... I have to get it... I have to get this pillow approved by like five different people before it gets on the set like it's it's just I don't know I don't like the anxiety of it but people thrive off of commercial people who do commercials love commercials the money's fantastic but I can't I don't like it <laughs> do you like do you do commercials I don't like them you know it's not really it's 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 decorators in Toronto and Vancouver don't really go back and forth they usually do either this or this. Um, it seems that since you guys became unionized in Los Angeles with commercials, that there is a little bit more of people uh, sort of getting into commercials when they're not doing other stuff. Yeah, I I think it's great if you can get it. I I don't. I had like I have like one contact, and basically when he if he if he calls me, I'm usually busy, and then you know he doesn't call me anymore. And I'm, I just kind of sort of synced up with um, an actor's product on a show. They needed someone while we were filming. And so now when they do her products, Kristen Bell, then that's, that's the only reason they're calling me because I'm easy and I'm familiar. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, and that's fine with me. I'll be easy and familiar all you want. So, you know, it's fine. It's they're never huge things. It's not builds and, you know, it's not a Super Bowl commercial. It's baby products. Um congratulations by the way on your on your nominations. I I mean many nominations, I should say. Um how much prep did you have for Nightmare Alley? Do you remember? 
Um, you know, we started that film in like the spring and we went to camp. We, we were prepping and then we changed actors uh, because originally oh, like, it was supposed to be DiCaprio. DiCaprio yeah. And then when it switched to Bradley, um, Bradley has a daughter. And so the window of shooting schedule had to change. So we shut down, I think, for eight weeks. Oh. Wow. Um, and so with that, I went over Queen's Gambit was coming over. And so I did the Queen's Gambit component in Toronto. Wow. And, but while I was doing Queen's Gambit, I was in my mind still really on Nightmare. And uh, then when we came back in September, we had, you know, uh, another probably 16, four months of prep. And then we went to camera in the fall and then we shut down in February, February. Uh, with COVID. And so we shut down for like five or six months and then we came back in August. It was two years at the end of it <laughs> for that film start to finish. It was such a long, long process. And does, does anything evolve in that? Like does like oh we're, well we have time now let's make this scene longer and this set bigger and everything or was it did it stay kind of true to what you started with because you know, of COVID you because of COVID you probably had to take down a couple notches on some things like background and shit we were setting up the carnival at the time and uh, and it was we were setting up the carnival in the middle of winter. It was in February. It was like minus 15, mm -hmm. setting up these things. And when we shut down, we had to walk away. We weren't allowed to pack everything up. It was just, we're done. So those tents sat in the field from February all the way until August. <laughs> and some of them were still standing. Others were falling on the ground and kind of rotting in the grass. The grass was growing up between them. Um, and so we basically had to go back and reset that, that carnival uh, starting in, in, in August. Did, did that lend to your aging or did it like kill your budget that you had to redo things? You know, the really, what I will say about doing the show with Guillermo is that art department is super important. So I won't say that we had an endless amount of money, but they always made sure that what we wanted to do, we were able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I come from a bit of a money background. So for me, I'm very diligent about money. Mm -hmm. And it's my third show with Guillermo. Yeah. So they're very good with me if I say this needs to happen. They're really good about it. Um, but, you know, with COVID, you know, coming back, the labor component was the, the ones that sort of grew quite a bit. Right. Because when we came back, the whole thing was about working in pods. Yeah. Like crews in different areas were not allowed to intermix. Yeah. And instead of booking someone for uh, one or two days to come on the show, you had to book them for a whole week. Right. Which is actually still the, the way it is in the union right now. But you know, it, those components kind of grew, but as far as the purchases and rentals, that never quite shifted for us, which was good. Well, that's good. I mean, I have no idea how much all of these studios have spent on COVID um, giving us masks and shields and testing. And I mean, 
and at a certain point, even with the show I was just on with the huge surge that we had here and actors getting COVID and then we're pushing and we're holding dressing and they're holding locations and there's just this like COVID budget. I don't know. I don't know where to code that to. COVID. I don't know. Like <laughs> It sucks. I don't know how much they're ble- They have to just bleed for it. I don't know. It's, 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 you know, it's kind of scary. I mean, I, I think the, the numbers are almost like 20% on top of what your production budget is, is going to be COVID costs. And, you know, I feel very blessed that the studios did that because the reality is a lot of us would have been out of jobs. Oh, definitely. Um, Definitely. And it's also a super safe environment, much safer than most other working places, you know, grocery stores, all the other stuff with customer service. We get tested three times a week. You feel super safe and it it was definitely a good environment for sure. Yeah. I, I must, I, I do, you know, and not working and then you're not being tested. It's like, I don't have any, I don't have any, I don't know where I am. Like I haven't been tested in over a week. It's it's like scary. Your mindset is like, all right, well, I guess I'm just a regular person now. Just going to work. But yeah, I do uh, so much money. But um, in your process of working with Guillermo now, do you have some sort of shorthand with him since it's your, your third time or... Yeah, you know, one of the important lessons I ever learned from him, and it was a great lesson, was that whenever you're doing period, he's always about the most iconic thing about the period, and that's what it should be, whether it be a wallpaper, an upholstery, uh, a color, styles of furniture. You know, he doesn't, as much as his shows are sort of theatrical, he is very much about the most classic pieces. So once you have that language with him, he kind of lets you do what you need to do. But he definitely has things that he likes. And once you sort of understand that, you sort of can do it. I mean, we would have sets ready, you know, weeks before we shoot them, you know, if it wasn't, uh, if it was in studio. So he would always be walking through, always have oh, a little bit of comments here and comments there, but he's such an amazing person to work with because he's he's very art department friendly and he just understands that craft for sure. Yeah, I had uh, interviewed um, the production designer of Pan's Labyrinth in, in Gino, in Gino Calabro. I can never say his name. <laughs> I think it's Eugenio Caballero. Yeah. I, right? You're better than I am. I don't know. I said it and he was like, you're close. <laughs> like, but he just raved and raved about the process of working with him and how the collaboration is there and his sketches and and how much he gives you to go with and, and is specific, but like lets you lets you build on that. Always approachable, and what's great about him is he's got a great hand, so if there's something he wants to explain, you know, he can draw it and sort of go through it with you, and it's, it's again, he's got a great hand, and what's really great about working with directors that are super creative is that they give you what they're looking for straight up, because yeah. you know what they're looking. Yeah. It's much easier than working with a director who doesn't have the vision, and you kind of have to present it to them, because yeah. when you have the the vision, it just makes what you do so much tighter and better. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. The um, the Art Deco, and I think you, like the Beadmire, is it a Beadmire type style? It, yeah. Throughout her office and, and the houses, like, was that, did you find that? Did you have that fabricated or? So I think I put 80,000 kilometers on the truck <laughs> doing, doing nightmare. You know, every, every weekend on a Friday afternoon, I would probably drive down. So living in Toronto, I would shop in Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, Detroit and surrounding. And then I would go to Buffalo, then I'd go to Pittsburgh, oh then I'd go to Philadelphia, and then I'd go to Hudson, which is in upstate New York. Right. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a swoop. And I would do that religiously because you know you start fine-tuning what you're looking for. And the thing about deco is that there's so many different versions of deco. Yeah that it be, can become very overwhelming. There's European deco, there's American deco, and a lot of the deco furniture is very, very small. So the scale of it yeah. doesn't Chairs. work for a lot of sets. Chairs especially are very low for in deco. Yeah. 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 And so I spent a lot of time doing a lot of driving and a lot of processing. And you know, you know with those sets that you get the one key piece that really works for you and you lynch everything else around that. Yeah. That's kind of the way I surround that. But you know, there was this woman in Reading, Pennsylvania. I think her New York City Modern. She's in the middle of nowhere and she has this old movie theater. She had a store in New York for a long time. She had the largest collection of deco furniture I've ever seen. No way. It her place is amazing. Really? Um, yeah, and you're talking fifty thousand uh, dollar, you know, cabinets. I mean, she was primo with what she has, and she was a really, really good source for me. Oh, and uh, you know, it was finding certain. There was there's a company in uh, Pittsburgh, Artifacts. Um, I don't know if you know those guys, but he's got over a hundred thousand square feet of furniture. He has like this massive warehouse full of furniture that is not on the showroom floor. And it is amazing what that man has. And so it's fine. Is, Sorry, that, is that, is he a rental for productions in Pittsburgh or he's, he's the. He has a store. Oh, but oh, oh the I see. Store, the store just doesn't really represent the volume that the man has. Oh, he's, so, he's, it is he's a hoarder. <laughs> yeah. He does rent a film, and he is by far so reasonable with his prices. I mean, I used on the last show we just did in Toronto. I find it worth going down there and filling a truck and sending it's it out. Yeah. It just is fantastic. Um, but, yeah, you know, for me, it's just repeatedly going to stores until you sort of get in your head where you want to go with the set that you're sort of looking for. Is, um, is, was there a lot of discussion about the palette of the circus versus the deco or was, did it, did they want to with colors and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Guillermo has that worked out in his head, you know, you know, so building those tents, so we built all those tents from scratch and i found a company in illinois i believe it's called arm brewster they've been doing tents for barnum and bailey they've been in business oh for like 100 find. and you know finding the right canvas for weight you know yeah. so that you can get light through it 
because usually when you put up tents, they recommend a 16 to 18 ounce canvas, but that's too thick for us. Right. So I had to go with the 10 and the 12. And, you know, so that was a sort of a new thing. And in order to do those things, I think I ordered over 12,000 meters of fabric. And then it all had to be scoured to wash all the product out of it. Then it all had to be dyed. And even the natural color in, in the, in the, tent, in the, it was like a natural and a red and like a blue and a, all those colors, uh, you know, had to be, uh, sort of hand dyed. Wow. And then after they're dyed, everything had to be fire retarded. And then after it was fire retarded, it all had to be aged. So there was like a, a six step process just to present those tents. And, you know, it, it, it looks like you build a tent, you put it up. It's just so much bigger than that. And Guillermo was so big on aging mm-hmm. and where, you know, I had a full-time upholsterer that was just on tent duty for us, you know, that would go through and do cuts and sews. If we're shooting on camera the next day, Guillermo would want a patch. So you'd have to go through and rework a section to make sure that that kind of worked and, you know, damage from the winds of those things being up. So, you know, I, that carnival, every morning I was there at 6 a.m. to do my tent checks, tent checks. To make sure seven days a week because, you know, with the engineering of those things, they have to come down once the winds go over a certain level. So, so you're putting them up you know, and down all the time? Uh, not all the time. But, you know, when the winds are too high, they can't shoot there. And certain tents would have to pop down or get buckled down. Or um, the bigger tents, you couldn't really take them down. You'd have to tie the sides up Mm, so the wind goes through it. Yeah. So, you know, it it had a life of its own, that carnival. I mean, you also had a lot of rain. There's a lot of rain scenes in, in those. And that's what I kept thinking, like, Oh, oh my God, everything is wet. It's just so annoying with the rain scenes. But I mean, at a certain point, it lends to the aging. But, you know, you're, you, you, this scene is before that scene. They're not shooting in order. You know, he's at that carnival for a while. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes I back. Mean, have... And then, and so when he goes back, it's the same, it's the same carnival. It's just he sold it to someone else, right? The guy, or he died. Yeah, it's a different, it's not in the same spot. It's, it's a not- traveling carnival, so that carnival we pick up and move all the time. Oh, okay. So, but same, yeah. Yeah, idea. Yeah. 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 I, I was watching the rain thinking, ugh, that's, that's annoying. <laughs> that's annoying. <laughs> and the merry-go-round, I mean, was that a find or was that... I yeah. Mean, that's you know, more of a I, set piece, though. Is that dressing? I don't, I've never done it. I, I got all the rides. You did. That was on. Oh, true. Was when I when we do amusements, yeah. I do all the rides. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I found that carousel in uh, Northern California. Oh. Uh, it had been sitting in a uh, a barn for twelve years, and you know, this man had had it for a very long time, oh and God. it was such a great find. It was nineteen twenty six. Wow. All the horses were original to the period. Um, and you know, it, we, we rebuilt the top and we, we painted the sides, but when we assembled that thing, it still worked. 
Like it had all the pneumatics, it had all the original wood floor. And the big thing for me in that carousel was the the the, the carousels in those times, they had the slatted floors. Right. And it changed in 1930-ish, where it went to a more solid floor. So finding that slatted floor was such a big thing. Um, and it Do, was amazing. Don't you love... I absolutely love like that piece of information of things you thought you would never know. Like you would have never known that if you didn't work on this. Like I, I love, love, love like diving into research and, and, and figuring out like, Oh, look at that. It changed now. Like, Oh, look, why did they do that? I mean, it's that, that to me is such a gem of like that. You're like a, you're like a merry-go-round expert now. You know, that whole carnival, even for me, like we made all the chocolate, all the chocolate that was in that carnival, we made it. Oh, wow. Um, it was all molded and painted and the painters we had, you know, did all the research on how to hand, uh, how to spray those things. And there was just so many great details in that carnival. And you're right, though, it's so great to dive into the research yeah. about how to do it. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, um, one of the things I kept, like looking out for me was the beaded curtains that you had um in in some of the trailers and everything i just and i just adored like the color of them and they were different heights and like it was such a beautiful detail to i think i think it's behind bradley in one of the scenes i just couldn't take my eyes off of it i loved it it's really beautiful yeah yeah they again i had this amazing girl that works for me here who she was a painter first and then went to upholstery school. And so I kind of adopted her because she started doing aging. Ooh. And she was just able to build these amazing curtains for me. And just when you have the time to do the heights and cut them up and stuff, it's just, it's fantastic. It's, it was gorgeous. I was like, oh, I, I hope he kept some of those. I feel like I would have been like, I need a strand of that somewhere to remember this film. Like that, and that would be a keeper. They were just so gorgeous. And everything, yeah. everything in Zena's house was so character driven to me. Like I paused it and just kept looking around, like how much detail you had in there of their life. It was such a great set. It was a really, so Guillermo's really good about giving you bios on characters. Oh, that's so fantastic. And that's so great. So her story was that she just travels with everything. And it's when she goes into her, when she can afford to go into a bungalow, all her life goes into these because she travels with that. Right. And so it was just such a great information, piece of information to have because it just makes what you do so much more. It, uh, yeah. It's invaluable. Any Anything you can get, like, I always say the worst thing is doing like episodic TV and they go to like Stacy's house. And you're like, well, who the fuck's Stacy? Like, I don't know. Like, what is she? Is she a cat person? Or like, well, she's, you know, they're going to interview her about the murder. Well, did she do it? Like, are, I mean, am I giving it away in any way? Or we, I hated it. I hate doing like, like character, residential characters for like, that aren't main characters that you know. It's just such a throwaway to me of like generic city, you know. Yeah, that's it's frustrating because you really want to give character to everything yeah. you do. Yeah. And then, you know, people just aren't that interested in giving you character and it's like, oh my god. It's also too uh as a decorator when you're instructing like your buyers and everything, you you can't just say like, Oh, we're doing this residential house, here's the color palette. You wanna 
give information so that the small, the, everything is collaborative. So it's, that's always a bummer, but yeah. Um, it is, I, you know, I, I had like the most amazing set of buyers on that show mm. and they came with a lot of experience, way more than I have. Like, you know, my friend Marlene, who has been buying for years, I mean, she worked with Gord Sim, who did Chicago. Oh. And uh, like, I think she's been part of like eight Oscar nominated movies. Oh, God. But, or wealth of talent. But when she sits with you, you better be prepared. Because <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> she's not going to give you the answers. You need to communicate with her. She'll bring you stuff. Right. But you actually need to give her context. Or she's going to destroy you. So it was always my big thing is that before the buyers came in, I had a lot of preparation to do. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. I was going to hear it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I've, I've experienced buyers like that and they're the best. They're the best because you get what you want. They pull it out of you. Because sometimes it is, sometimes even on my own part, I know that I'm vague in like, well, it's in the script and here it is and here's the location and, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, I didn't really focus enough on telling them that the, the kitchen is the key or whatever. So I, I, I find that I have that flaw. But buyers who pull it out of you, it's it's invaluable. It really is. And I mean, you get frustrated in the beginning, but at the end yeah. of the day, it's the best thing because they're going to bring you kind of what you really need. Well, I start, sure. I start to think, like, who's the boss here? Like, I why am I up at six telling you, like... <laughs> I definitely know that I work for the, for these ladies yeah. uh, because they they definitely keep me on my edge. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've got people that are up at four in the morning sending you emails about. I sent you a box last night. Did you look at it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speak it on that right now because yeah. I want to get on the grid, which you know. Yeah. Yeah, they're up and running there, which is great. And I think about going back to being a buyer all the time because I'm like, I kind of just want, I don't want, I kind of just want my set and I want to deal with it and I'm going to get in my car and go. But yeah. I, you know, it's the one thing I'm going to say about COVID that there's a whole re, re, regrouping with the buyers and the way we approach things now. So before the, they would always be in the office in the mornings with you starting at whatever yeah. time you break up everything now they start from home they can work for the first few hours from home then they go do their day yeah and for me uh, i absolutely love that i think it's much more efficient yeah definitely i i don't i was never because i'm usually like on a location or dressing or what and i always felt like you i'll don't you don't have to answer me at night but i email at night so that you can start your day and you, you don't have to be bothered i don't I'm not big on office time, more so because I feel when people see a lot of people in the office, they don't really think they're working. <laughs> like, they don't really, they should be out doing shit. So I'm always like, everybody just go out and do shit. And then everybody thinks we're working, but really, you know, we're at the movies or something, I wish. <laughs> so when you have a language with your designer, do you sort of, you don't need to sit down with them as much. You sort of get your briefs and then you go because they kind of know what they're expecting from you. Yeah, I I feel like there's always, you know, the, the discussion about the set and color is a main thing. And sometimes is it 
am I going to get a drapery and then we'll pick a color or they're going to pick a color and we'll go from that. Like there's a lot of give and take now with that uh, of what's available and wallpaper and stuff. So that, but I feel like for me, if I show them the one piece, like this is the sofa and, and you, they've already given me the look that we are trying to achieve. Then I usually go. Um, there are some designers who want to see every small, which is mind boggling to me, but you know, go for it. But um, I feel like if it's a new designer that I'm working with pretty quickly, I just try to establish that trust of I'm, I'm with you. I'm not going to go rogue. <laughs> We're in this together. So, but don't, please don't be up my ass <laughs> don't, because you've, you've got so many things to think about. Let I'll do, I'll do what my part is. And, and if you don't like something or something needs to change, I'm always open to that, but I really strive for getting that trust in there early so that, you know, we, we can show them what we can do with their information. That's yeah, you can definitely do a lot more. I mean, I agree with you trying to show everyone absolutely everything. It, it backfires. Work. It backfires. I don't need a comment about a small when I have the world here. If you don't like that small, if you don't like that cat statue, we'll take it out on the day. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's sort of my wish list of trying to just get the trust there and show them it's going to be all right. <laughs> and then I go from there. So, yeah. yeah. Um, do you, do you have a process? Like, do you, have, do you have a process that you use every time with, with, with your projects? Yeah, you know, for me, I spend a lot of time online just looking at shapes and things, trying to get into a language and a feel of where I go with something. And so for me, I'm always a little bit trepidatious to talk about stuff for the first three or four weeks because everything is sort of trying to find your groove. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not a note taker. Mm. Uh, I, I don't write things down. I'm pretty didactic with what I ask for. I'm, I'm really all about a feel. Yeah. So for me, it's just really corralling photos. And again, it's finding that one image that will be a linchpin for you for a whole set and gives you a language that you can start riffing off of. Yeah. And that's when I like to sort of grow up. I'm a big shopper myself. I as much as I love my buyers and bringing stuff, I need to prep. I need to get out and see stuff myself yeah. in order for me to understand things. Uh, if I have to do it strictly with buyers sometimes, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not getting a hundred percent. I I think one of the hardest things sometimes is when you don't think see something in person is scale. Some a lot of times scale doesn't come across in photos. Um, yeah. And textures, especially when you're doing period shows. Oh, yeah. You know, textures of wood and everything, you never quite get the patina from a photo. And, you know, sometimes something is high up and you never quite see it. So uh, I, it really is trying to visually see it yourself and really get an idea of what it is. Yeah. I do love Yeah. I, I love shopping. I, I, I feel like uh, I do less and less of it because of scheduling and meetings yeah. and 
that and it's it is a bummer so when i can like online shop or hit one prop house before everything starts in the morning that's always like oh, at least i got to see that before i selected it yeah. if i'm doing a build show where everything is about the build for me it's really about working with the creatives that i have whether it be the, the fabric that i i tend to use a lot of upholsters and fabric people for aging and distress and building so for me it's building the language of how we're going to sort of uh sort of uh lay things out and building sort of different shapes and stuff like that so for me it's hitting the ground with them every day and you know i log a lot i'm always on my feet i don't like being at my computer a lot i like sort of being down and dirty with it a lot i tend to i tend to understand things better like you know when you're going into a location i need to walk that thing so many times before i really sort of get an understanding about what it is or when you're building a set yeah. for me i'm constantly walking it feeling it out i i don't i never get things on the first go I always have to come back and really understand it. My mind's a little bit thick that way. I just need to sort of go things over and over before I really get what it is. I I think that's I think that's part of the process that get has been lost a lot in in how quickly we have to turn around things. There are so many times that I don't see the set till I'm dressing it. Like I didn't it was built and then I'm here and then we're dressing it. I didn't get to see like, oh, that's actually not as big as I thought it was. And I got this huge sofa like there. There's such a disconnect now of like getting that having that process. I don't I mean, I get it sometimes, but but rarely, I would say, do I have opportunity to to really be in the space and feel it out and be like, oh, that would have been a good idea. <laughs> see, that's my ultimate panic. Is when I don't really get to feel stuff, yeah. and you know, getting sets at the last minute yeah. is excruciating because yeah. you know you it would have worked if you could have built something to go in a corner or something like that. It it, it really is. I I still push for more preps and locations. I I'm always that one that, and I'm fortunate and trying to work with a supervising art director that I've been with for years. That is really about our department, so he tends to. Mm. Uh, for more of us for that but that's nice it, it, it's, it's stressful going to locations that you haven't done before and you're dressing on the day oh yeah is um was shape of water i mean those were all built or was there was that any of that location uh yeah i mean i think 80 percent, 80 percent of that show was uh studio Mm-hmm. And then there were definitely uh, some locations that we went into and sort of did, you know, what was great about that show is I had that show shot before we started shooting it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it was really great to understand the congruity of a lot of what was going on. They repurposed a lot of sets from the show called The String. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the shapes and sort of were kind of there. And, you know, it was such a tight little show that you were really able to wrap your head around those characters, you know? Oh, yeah. There, was so, many, there were so many things you never saw with her and him, but they were sort of there, but yeah. I mean, that um, apart, his sofa, I mean, that apartment is so textured and the wallpaper and like everything was just so like collaborating into making that world. It was so fantastic. 
Yeah, for sure. And again, it's a lot of Guillermo. He just really sets you up with all the information you need and you can just really go. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know how you do these gigantic films. <laughs> like, I mean, Crimson Peak is gigantic. I mean, that ha I mean, I can't even, I don't know where you start. I don't know where you start with any, I don't know where you start with like Suicide Squad or like, I don't know where you start with all of these sets. Like it would, it would give me, I'd die of anxiety. <laughs> the amazing thing about Crimson Peak was the designer we had on that show was to me, probably one of the best designers to ever come out of the US was a gentleman named Tom Sanders. Oh, yeah. uh, he was my mentor and he passed away about four years ago mm -hmm. and he built everything in models. Like, oh, he built, so the house was built in model form before oh. we actually built the house. Model makers so, is such a lost, lost. He's a model maker. Oh, I love and, building models. Oh, that's awesome. And so you completely understood the scope of that. And he had these little viewfinders that he would build. That you could go in and actually get a whole set in scope. And, you know, the detail in that movie you know, Guillermo and his wallpaper and everything, you know, it, it, the bigger the show, kind of the more people you kind of have and you just sort of, sort of develop it sort of, and those bigger shows tend to have a little bit more prep time. You know, yeah. I've got to say TV series is so freaking hard <laughs> because you have zero prep time. You've got so many sets to do. You never quite get a full script until three or four days before you go to camera or even the day before camera yeah. and things kind of change. When you have time to prep and lay them out, it just gives you so many more tools to make it look beautiful. Uh, completely agree. But when you're, when you're doing like a, like a fast and furious and things with cars and everything and they, that must be a lot of last minute things of like, Oh, we're going to see down the street now. Or is it like, <laughs> So I absolutely love that show because I got to go to Hawaii for five months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there was this buyer in Los Angeles. Her name is Sarah Gardner Gale. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love her. Mm -hmm. And so her and shot for two and a half weeks in Los Angeles. And we literally filled, I think, six containers. And then brought it And in. we shipped it all over. And the great thing about Hawaii is that if you don't have it, it's not there. So you <laughs> you're it. not getting it. You're not so, Amazoning that in two days. It's not, yeah, it's not coming. Yeah, I was able, I was able to, I think I had sort of four really large sets, but once they were, like, we had them all done before they started shooting. Oh, wow. So it was such a pleasure to be over there sort of doing that show. Oh, that's and great. And I had such a great group of guys. It was really one of the, most relaxing fun shows i had ever done oh that's fun that's it good. was you know friday afternoons you would finish we finish early at 2 p.m the hawaiian crew guys would go into the water and fish and you'd have a barbecue in the afternoon and it was always a really great way to finish the week and the guys were really hard workers and they just got it so there was just such a great camaraderie on that show. Oh, that's awesome. But what I will say, so what I will say, so talking about a process, my whole process for that house with Samoa was finding the perfect fabric. Mm. And for me, 
I had just worked in New Zealand the year before, and they can build their own fabrics over there for you. And so what they did was they, I had a, a graphic artist work on some Samoan fabric uh, designs, and when we found it, they sort of hand-printed it oh. for me. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and we're able to ship it out. And I would say that that fabric and that upholstery in that house was everything to me in that Samoan house. It just made it. Because okay. it's one of the hardest things to find is a traditional Samoan fabric that you can do upholstery to make it look like Samoa. You, uh, I feel like you are the new Debbie's book of resources. I feel like you have a resource for everything. You're fantastic. <laughs> you know, and I mean, that's, a, that's part of the job having like knowing where to get shit <laughs> or, or being able to ask, I will say that every country that you go work in has a different way of doing it. And, you know, when you go to someplace like New Zealand, they build everything from scratch. Because shipping things in and doing stuff is really expensive. So they have the best tradesmen over there of anything in the world. Like, they really are so talented in what they do. What and, did you do in you New know, Zealand? No, I'm not. I did this movie called Mortal Engines. Oh, um, oh, that looked huge. I couldn't even, I was like, I didn't watch, I didn't see that one, but I was like, I can't. This is, he's blowing my mind with how, what what has got going, so much magic and like. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really seen, but um, what I will say is that I got to work with Peter Jackson and I got to be in Wellington for the better part, almost a year. And the way they operate over there was just such a great experience for me to just really learn. Uh, it was oh, that's fantastic. fantastic. I spoke with uh, Amber Richards yes, just two days ago. Um, I love her. Oh, she's, my God. She's, yeah. she's so sweet. She was so kind and so nice. And I was like, and, and also to hear the process of in New Zealand of how she was dressing sets and then, you know, came into decorating. And I was like, that's kind of, that's kind of how it should be. Like it's, you're almost like little decorators. Like she got to do so much being a, like a, like title of set dresser. And I was like, well, you really weren't, you were an assistant decorator. You weren't really, but yeah, she was lovely. She was absolutely lovely. She's super humble. And she is such an amazing spirit. Yeah. And I'm looking so forward to seeing her. Uh, her her assistant buyer is a woman named Eliza. And Eliza is a very, very, very dear friend. And they've always been great to me when I'm over there. Oh, wow. I went over there very briefly this year or last year in Lord of the Rings. And uh, I, Amber is one of the hardest workers. But I will say that New Zealanders, period. Yeah super hard workers oh wow yeah, yeah. I, I i was telling her i was like you better go to the oscars she's like i don't know i was like you could stay in my house like, I was like if you come here like is she, is she saying she's not going to the oscars she was she said she didn't know she didn't know and i was like you need to go you need to go she's going well it's because of like quarantining and then she has a job or something and it was something to do with work obviously like um, I mean, i'm gonna talk to her Eliza today because that's just that's not right that's what i said uh, i go this is like life you have to go you have yeah. to go and and then and then i can party with you <laughs> I just i was like I'll t and you too if you're in la i would love to meet up with you and just buy you a drink for thank you for doing this for me but yeah i was like you have to go and then I'm, in my head i'm thinking god this is a hell of a flight and it's a lot to ask but like 
It's the Oscars. 15, 15 hours, I think, from Los, An- from Los Angeles to, to Auckland. Yeah, getting in and out of New Zealand is crazy. Well, that's because what Because coming back, yeah. it's the lottery of getting in and out. You can't just, you can't just vote to go back. You actually have to go in a lottery. So you have to get up every morning and see if you can get your place in the hotels. Well, that's probably her problem. It's working. I think that's what the problem. I think that's what the problem. I would have thought the government might be able to make a special concession for her because she is representing New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, So hopefully they might be able to make something happen for her. I hope so. She just, I mean, you all deserve. I and I have said I'm not. I'm not one to give everyone a trophy. But when I look every year, but this year too, when I look at who's nominated, everything is so different. And they're so glorious in in what they've given to us on screen that it's so hard to really (laughs) judge that. Everything is is very, very different this year. Yeah. You know, it was also very interesting when we, the year that we won for Shape of Water, that year, any one of those films could have won best film. It was a very, very strong category and a very, very strong year. And I'll say the same about this year. Yeah. Everyone's got something different than they're offering. Yeah. Uh, it is definitely uh, going to be hard yeah. for sure. And I didn't, I, I didn't realize that you could only vote for like four days or something. The voting window is like four or five days long. I never knew it was that short. And I mean, I never realized it. I guess I never... Really when you go through the first, when you go through the first round to get into the nominees, you're only allowed to vote for your department. So, like, being in the Oscar board, I'm in the uh, production design department. Right. When I vote, I can only vote for best picture, and right. I can only vote for production design. Right. But then after that, when it comes into the regular categories, I can vote for everything for the next round coming into final. But, so. Oh, so like in the Emmys, there's um, like every other year, the costumers in the final round can vote in in for the production design or like the editors. Like it, it rotates every couple of years. We can't, yeah, and the same vice versa. Just to get an yeah. outside sort of vote going on, I guess. But you're right, it's four days. You have four days yeah. to sort of get your stuff done. <laughs> yeah. Which, thank God, everything's online now. I guess that's why they want to beef it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to keep you too long, but I have to ask you about Big Eyes because I love that movie. <laughs> I love. Okay, that. so can I tell you that was one of my favorite experiences? Oh, good. I'm so glad. I, I, absolutely, I absolutely love Tim Burton. Ugh. Like, he is such an amazing visionary. Mm-hmm. And me getting that show, it was crazy. Uh but I had done this very small show with uh, Tim's producer and AD. Her name's Catalie Frauenfelder. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing lady. She produces for Tim, and she's also his AD. And I had done this small film, so she recommended me to Rick Heinrichs for that movie. He saw, I think it was six or seven people, but they ended up going with me, which was great. But what was great about that film is that I think I built almost 350 frames, and that was the biggest challenge on the show was oh. building period from because those materials don't exist anymore. It's so, so hard. Was, it's so hard. I don't Yeah. I had, Another I great resource you have. <laughs> well, the, the resource was 
you know, we, we went and chopped a whole bunch of frames, empty frames, and had to get them all recut and resized. Mm. Understanding that when you rebuild a new frame, you lose about 20 to 30% with the corners. With the corners yeah. So it was definitely a big challenge to do, but I, I love that film. It was so beautifully done. And it, Bruno Divinell, the DP, the guy could light with a light bulb. He <laughs> is honestly such an amazing cinematographer and not a diva. And he just does what he needs to do and very, very low key. But oh, that's great. Yeah. I love that film. I saw in the theater and there was a cute, it was downtown at one of like the Oppenheimer, like a really beautiful theater. And there was a Q&A, I think, with the actors and everything. And I was just, I loved it then. And then I, I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, God, this is such a good film. I don't feel like enough credit is given to the, this performance and the story of it is so fantastic. So Weinstein, pulled, Weinstein pulled his support of the film. Uh, you know, why did Amy Adams it, turn him down or something? <laughs> it's, a great, it's, a, it's an interesting story because I believe that you know Tim had to bring the movie in at ten million, mm. or else he would lose his cut. It was a very low budget film, but I don't think Tim had done a film under a hundred million dollars in like twenty years. No, it's such a it's such a like asterisk on his like resume it's such a because it's yeah. a normal film kind of <laughs> yeah but i think after the film came out i think harvey decided he was going with the imitation game oh and so he kind of just didn't really support the film oh. and it was unfortunate because i really thought it was one of tim's best films in many years uh the actors did such a beautiful job and the way they represented art in that film was just amazing beautiful and it's lit correctly like you were saying like the art is lit well so that you can appreciate it on screen it's done so well yeah yeah the guys that wrote that film i just it's krasinski and it was a pair of them and they did such an eloquent job in that script you know margaret king was such an amazing i'm still in awe of her and how she lived her life and what she did i know you know yeah Wow, that's a great yeah. story. You yeah. uh, you decorated uh, Spotlight, and was that a downer? <laughs> that must have been a downer, man. Was it? You know, they wanted to do that show in Boston. Right. And I think because of the money at the, at the last minute, they pulled it up to Toronto. We had to build the New York Times, or sorry, the Boston Globe, in this empty warehouse building. Like we didn't go in, like it was completely built from scratch oh. and there was not a lot of money in that film, you know, and credit to the producers that they were able to bring that in online, but it was heavy content. Like just the building of those books was such a, like the graphic artists on oh, that yeah. show did such an outstanding job on building those Bibles. Oh. They were so well done. Um, the director, Tom McCarthy was absolutely awesome. Um, but they literally had a full-time graphic artist there all day creating paperwork on the day to make sure that the whole, oh, because the way that's so they great. also didn't shoot that show in sequence. So getting the language of that really right, the writer was there every day. Like mm -hmm. they were so really diligent about the content of that film and they did such a great job. They did. I mean, it's, a, it's such a good film. It's such a downer, but it's such a good film, but it to, it was, me, it to me it's 
it's uh it seemed like you had a lot of locations on that one to, to fill to fill some space i mean it did and it was painful to do because tom wanted the, the boston globe to be exactly what it was in the photographs mm. and when you actually looked at the bullpen it was the most uninteresting flat bullpen i mean so many of those shots we shot into the back of the door yeah. and it was painful for me to do yeah. but he went it that way and at the end it really worked yeah they is such a great and that was a big departure for me uh for how for how to, to decorate but mm. i i love the film yeah it is a it's a it's a great thing to to watch and feel like you're actually being told the truth <laughs> instead of yeah. some propaganda and being talked to you're talk you're talking with them and the, the discussion of everything I, that's what i like about the film yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was definitely uh low budget, a lot of lot of locations, a lot of, you know, dressing on the day. Uh I, but it worked. Yeah. And did you pick the hamburger phone in Juno? I did. <laughs> you did? <laughs> that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Now there's your Oscar. There you go. There you need another one just for that. So I, you know, the, we did that film for seven million. You know, <laughs> it's a very, very low budget film, and Jason knew exactly what he wanted. I mean, he's like, I want a hamburger phone. And the thing is, that thing had to come from Japan. Yeah. And back in the two thousands, getting things like that, it was. Anyways, I that film was so quirky. I absolutely love that film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that film you you can watch. I watched uh, a part of it uh, in getting ready to talk to you, and I was like, I gotta get back to this. I gotta watch this whole thing. And J.K. Simmons is just so good, and like everyone knows their part. And even Jennifer Gardner's good, like making you feel sad, and like everyone's so good in it. There's so many good actors music, in it. The music was fantastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I think Ellen Page actually had a big part to do with that. Um, and the language of the way they spoke to each other, you know, it was just really cool. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that could either really work or just not work. Yeah. And it, it, it hit really well. And I think the costumes are nailed. I think the, it's a, it's a really good capsule. If someone later has to do a period film, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I think that's always like. If someone could look back on your contemporary film, at, you know, and use it as a reference, that's, I think it's a huge compliment, <laughs> I think. So, do you know Steve Sacklin, the I designer? I don't know him, no. He's from Los Angeles, and I think he studied uh, production design at Yale. Ooh. But he did Barb and Star's... Uh, Adventure? Did you see that film last year where they went to Vista Del Mar? Oh, I, t I know what you're talking about, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I absolutely love that man because <laughs> he was so over the top and kooky with everything he did. Oh, like, he was such a fantastic designer and worked really well uh, with the director, Jason. Oh, and then, and then losing poor Ivan Reitman is so sad to me. I just love him. Yeah. I love yeah, Ghostbusters. Really 
Ghostbusters. He was he was going to be doing triplets. He was just prepping a film. I know, I know. I hope that still goes forward because that sounds really funny. <laughs> yeah. It's going to work out. But yeah. Yeah. Are you watching anything that you uh, are inspired by? Okay, so or movie, movie or TV. I mean, it anything. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I love uh, Yellowstone. I'm, I'm watching Yellowstone too. I think they put uh, a lot of money into those sets. I'm I'm impressed by the sets. I think they should have put a little bit more money into the scripts. <laughs> Because it's get I'm only on episode I'm only in season two, and I'm finding it a little soap opera y. It's one of the for me for TV I like things that I can unwind. Yeah. And not yeah. have too much about. Yeah. And to me, it's just I like that it's shot really big. Yes. Like it's one of those big shows. Yeah. That I just absolutely really love. You know, I gotta say that I was really impressed with Peacemaker at the end of it. I thought. They actually did a really good job oh, yeah. on that on that show. Um, I love European shows. You know, <laughs> everything is Scandinavian, mm-hmm. like the tunnel, the tunnel or the bridge. Or the all bridge. those shows, I just love them because it's always nice to see set tech in different locations. Yes. Other than North America. Yeah. You know, it's it's such a great thing. I love Luther. I love that show. Luther. Brilliant. Luther's really yeah. good. Yeah. 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 And there was one, the killing, the killing, the the fall. uh, Oh, the fall. It's called the the fall. fall. The fall was really good. (laughs) Yeah. Super creepy. Yeah. And I love, you know, I love, I love the the decoration of Sherlock. Like all those British shows, I think are done really, really well. And they have a a smart charm to them. Mm -hmm. They're very fun. And I really enjoy that for sure. Uh, is there any film that you wish you decorated? Um, my, my favorite film is In the Mood for Love. Oh, nice. Uh, Wong Kar Wai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is absolutely the best, you know, looking film. I think it just stands up as being the best. I'm going to say that I've been very, very lucky to work with directors and stuff that I put on my bucket list. I would definitely love to do uh, a much larger sort of science fiction type show is the one thing I that I haven't done. And the one thing for me is that I'm obsessed with Denis Villeneuve and Patrice Vermette. Um, they're a very sharp contrast to what I do because they're big, expansive, simple shapes. Yeah. So when you look at have you watched Dune? I've watched Dune, yes. And I, I can't imagine like i think you i think you have to have such a relationship with um the um special effects and what they're really going to do and how you intertwine that like mandalorian and everything when they shoot all that thing in the round and they're just expanding and you're decorating something i think it's i think it's such a fascinating process that is um an evolution of of set decorating that i really appreciate so yeah. Yeah, you know, stepping outside your comfort zone is something I always like to push myself because when you get complacent in what you do, it becomes very, very hard. Um, so speaking of the Mandalorian, do you know Amanda? I don't. I think I've met her once or twice, but I don't know her, know her. I feel like I've met her. Yeah. 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 
I like her a lot. Yeah. She is definitely a workhorse. Yeah. And is someone for me that, holy shit, that woman works hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that yeah. show, that was no joke. And she had a very tight budget on it, I'm told. So, which blows my mind. I don't know. But, but yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yes. Because <laughs> I think she's, I mean, she's doing a lot of other shows now at the studio. I think she's doing The Mandalorian and one other one, right? I don't, I know that Jen Pascal is doing the Obi-Wan and then I, yeah. uh, I, she might have done Boba Fett. I'm not sure. She might have. I think you're right. Jen, Jen did? No, Amanda. I don't know. Amanda. Yeah. Because I, I had, when Jan told me that, I was like, I, I would die to work on Star Wars. I would like that to me is like. That's cool. <laughs> like, that's the coolest thing. So when she so she's like, you wouldn't, I mean, the budget isn't what I thought it was. And I have to get all these buttons and like all this, you have to make it up. Like you have to do it. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that. I don't know. <laughs> like, okay. But it's still got to be great. You're like doing Obi-Wan. That's awesome. So I'm really excited to see that when it comes out. <laughs> she's my hero. She's, I uh, absolutely... she's the nicest person because I because she has done so many White House sets and now I've done so many White House sets that we have like a short language of like hey you know Nixon where's this like, <laughs> so yeah I love her she's a, she's amazing but yeah she's like a brand ambassador for kind of what we do yeah you know yes. I, I just think on a larger scale most people don't really understand what a set decor does or really the scope of what we do or the contribution to the shows yeah and what i love about jan is that she's very good at being our brand ambassador and making sure that yes. that's set. yes i wish that um you know at the oscars the previous winner could be there to uh hand off like sometimes they do with like best actor and everything they should do that for all of them that would be so kind and nice I agree. It just feels like we're below the line. Yeah. You know, we just. Yeah, we're lucky we're on the telecast at this point. They, 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 they tolerate us. Yeah. You know, we're put in a corner, we say thank you, and then we go away. Yeah. Um, it's the one thing about the Oscars, like when you're at the BAFTAs, you sit all together. Like if you're nominated with the director, you sit next to the director. Oh, right. Whereas at the Oscars, there's like a two-tiered system there. It's the actors and the directors that sit up front, and the below the lines are kind of in the second tier in the back. Right. Um, yeah, it should be every film, together. every crew together. To, I agree. Yeah. Because there's camaraderie when you go to that yeah. with your, you know, the people you're with. Definitely. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm surprised the creatives still make the main show. I, I, especially with you know the viewership down and whatever they want to call it or whatever i i'm surprised they haven't cut that just to make it shorter and more tolerable to the audience it's a sh it's a oh, shame we, if we they just, do but we just won't put that out there yeah no, no, no. i'll edit i'll edit that I'll, just, I'll take that out i don't want to give anybody any ideas <laughs> um well thank you thank you for making this work i'm so sorry again that i was late i was like <laughs> Literally, it's LA traffic got me again. <laughs> but yeah, um, really good, on, really good on you for doing this. I oh. think it's really important uh, oh, that 
you know, second graders get to talk about their craft and sort of, you know, the one thing for me that I value is my camaraderie with decorators. Yeah. I think that we should be a lot tighter, be a lot friendlier, and sort of be a tight-knit group because there's strength in that. Definitely. And so I was really happy when you reached out because you always get to meet someone new that you might not get to meet, so that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, and thank you. I, I'm always feeling, like, uh, the same, like, who is that? Are they about, like, how are you? Who are you? Like, I'm always like, looking on tags, who's doing what and being jealous of people. And, uh, but I have found through, through this, I've learned so much just from other decorators and talking with, with other decorators and designers. But um, there is like, you know, when I see someone else's project, now I feel like I can reach out to you and be like, oh my God, this was fantastic. Like, I, I do hope, like selfishly that I, I just want to appreciate everyone's hard work because I know how hard it is. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for doing it because <laughs> I think it's important. Thank you so much. I will send you the link. I'm probably going to put it up in um, two weeks. Uh, Amber's episode came out this morning. So if you want to take a listen to hers, she was very sweet. But yeah, and, and, and really good luck. I mean, I don't know how you... I don't know how you you vote this year. Like I said, it's so hard. It's it's. I'm just proud that we're there with those people. That's really the most important thing. And just being able to talk to your peers and sit with them is so, my favorite thing about award season. Is that there is a dinner they do the night before the Oscars, mm-hmm. and they do it with your category. Oh, that's so, so nice. You go get to have dinner with everyone that's nominated. And it's not a, it's not like them and their partner. It's just them. Okay. So, you know, it's a nice tight-knit group. You know, Jan will probably be there because she's on the, and they'll bring a couple of representatives. Mm-hmm. So it's the nice thing to be able to sit down and just have a nice meal. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really great. Yeah, I, I would have to say the nomination process is great till you don't hear your name. <laughs> And then it's and then you're at the bar. Then you're done. <laughs> then the pressure's off. There's nothing wrong with being at the bar. No. Rip that I get the I get the spanks off. Go out the bar. I'm done. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like I talked to a master in this interview. Shane's work is just so inspirational to me and I'll be honest it's intimidating like I just I feel like I'm always sort of trying to get it done beautifully and correct and this guy's like deep diving into like uh, merry-go-round horses and and learning the research of it I, I I mean not that I don't do the research but it's just like well I don't know these huge films, I mean, listening to the amount of detail he's putting into these sets, it's just so inspiring to me. It makes me kind of want to go back to work. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. And as I, I have said, it's, it's a tight race. It's such wonderful sets and knowing, you know, we all worked through COVID to get to them. It's just amazing. And really and a reminder that wonderful article in the hollywood reporter about the creative process of nightmare alley it's really something to look up um if you're into it i never realized like i said that oscar voting is so short 
March 17th to the 22nd. So get your votes in if you are a Oscar voter. I hope you got an earful. I'm Kim Monup with Decorating Pages. Can you believe Daylight Savings is next week? Thank God. That means summer is right around the corner. Order your Stogie Floaty Luxury Pool Float now so you won't be floating alone. Available now on Etsy and stogiefloaty.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.